Hello, hello, Gaining Momentum community. Welcome to the re-release of Gaining Momentum on Queer Parenthood. Now that June has come to an end, we say goodbye to another Pride Month. We hope the month was full of celebration, love, solidarity, togetherness, hope, all of the beautiful things that could possibly come our way these days. And we look forward to another Pride Month because yes, the celebrations are in June. Just because Pride Month is over does not mean that we can't continue celebrating the LGBTQIA2S plus community all year long. We hope you enjoyed this re-release. Welcome to the Gaining Momentum Podcast with your hosts, Abby and Megan. This is the podcast where we try our best to parent our kids for the world we want them to grow up in and the world we live in now. Welcome back to another episode of Gaining Momentum. I'm so excited for everybody to listen to this week's guests. Before we get to this week's episode and interview, Meg, what's going on? Hi. So many things. So many things are going on. I'm a little bit like fired up. Tonight. Ooh, like that cheerleading movie from like 2009-ish fired up or a different <laughs> one? Yeah, a little bit like that. If it was like about like gender and marginalization and all those things. Was it about that? I don't recall. <laughs> I did not watch it. I just know that it was a true <laughs> movie. Well, so what has you feeling fired up? Did you watch something? Did you read something? What's going on? So last week, my son's school sent out a, um, a newsletter about dress codes. Okay. Bum, bum, bum. And it was like, Super chill yeah. and cash and everyone was happy with it and everything like, was worded well. It was so great. It was like, kids, wear whatever you want. And nothing that we're about to say here is going to marginalize anybody in any <laughs> way or shame. Or... No, it wasn't. It wasn't great. I am a parent who will write a, write a letter mm-hmm. <laughs> when I feel compelled and when I feel like it's important enough. And thus far, there's been a f- just a, only a few few instances where I've felt the need. And this this happened to be one of those instances. It was sort of like, oh, like I'm tired and I don't want to engage in this, but like I have a duty and an obligation and I have a knowledge base. Like I, I, I have Wait, to like- You have a sense of suspense. What happened? I offered just like some, what I know to be from like working in this area for a while, like some of the best practices around like talking about dress codes a I don't I think dress codes are nonsense to begin with Mm -hmm. they mostly exist to police young women's bodies and Mm -hmm. are the roots of rape culture and misogyny and you know all of those internalized messages that kids take in at a young age and and like over target um, obviously young women and kids that are trans or non-binary far more than they do their cisgender male peers so you know this is like all the things that I'm thinking about. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I, I sent that and I sent some information I sent some articles. Good. Resources are important. Yeah. And just tried to be like, here's what I can offer. I hope that you consider this and how you move forward with the um, conversation of dress codes. Anyway, there was a PAC meeting tonight. Okay. That's Parent Advisory Council. Yes. Uh-huh. Ask me how many PAC meetings I've been to in my day. I'm going to guess 35. Big old goose egg. <laughs> anyway, so the conversation, which was better than I expected. Okay. I have to commend this principal who is on a learning curve mm-hmm. with some of the ideas I had to share. Um, and I think that he tried really hard to like 
work through those ideas and work. I could tell he read the articles. Nice. You know, he certainly wasn't perfect in his approach with the conversation, but nobody ever is. No one is. He was like really trying to learn and really trying to do the right thing and be like, I, I made a mistake here and I, I'm accountable for that language I used. And I have some expertise that I was given around, you know, how to talk about these things. So I'd like to open it up. And, Mm -hmm. um, and then I was really nervous that like, I was going to learn a lot about like the parenting community that I didn't want to know, like in the parenting community, like the other parents in, in the school. Yeah. And just like, you can live in denial, but then when people are putting their ignorance on the table, you just can't like, Mm -hmm. You, you can't unknow those things about what people believe. And I was pleasantly, pleasantly surprised by how many allies were in that conversation around nice. why the language and why even dress codes generally in the way that they've traditionally been approached are really problematic and need to be re-approached or abandoned entirely because we can't just divorce the concept of dress code from like history and like social context, right? Right. You know, there were a few interesting and frustrating comment there always are so anyway it was it, it does like make me think about our conversation though even with Ashley and Ainsley around these are conversations with kids that parents need to be having young mm-hmm. um, and talking about these things in intentional and like mindful ways and and also just like you know normalizing talking about gender and sex and sexuality and, and all, you know, like diversity in all of those places um, within your family landscape and just the difference that that can make, you know, if people not experiencing oppression out in the world. Yeah. So the two names Megan mentioned are Astrid and Ainsley and they happen yes. to be our guests for today. So Yay. let's get to our conversation with them. Welcome, welcome, Gaining Momentum community. Today, we are so excited and we're so honored to get to talk to two of my good friends, Ashley and Ainsley. Welcome. Hi. So Ashley and Ainsley became parents for the first time this year during the pandemic. And we wanted to chat a bit with both of them about their parenting journey during this wild year. And also this season on the podcast, we really wanted to explore all of the beautiful, gorgeous diversity that makes up families. And we were particularly interested in talking about the experiences of queer people in their parenthood and family journeys. So Ashley and Ainsley have been super gracious in their willingness to come on the pod and talk to us a bit about their experience in this parenthood journey in general, and also their experiences as queer, a queer couple building their family and uh, becoming parents. So welcome, you guys, everyone. We're so excited that you're here and we're so grateful that you are giving us a little bit of your time today. Hi. Hi. Hello. And you're also, you're also going to be hearing our baby in the background. Awesome. Sweet. Built-in soundtrack. I like it. It's on brand. We like it. Before we get started, I think we met back in the day, but just in case I'm going to do a quick intro and I'll throw in my pronouns. I'm Abby and my pronouns are she, her. Oh, I'm Megan. And my pronouns are also she and her. And we'd love to invite you both just to introduce yourselves and also uh, the pronouns that you choose to go by. Hi, I'm Ainsley and my pronouns are they, them. And I'm Astri and my pronouns are she, her. Gender has gotten wild with gender <laughs> gender. Yeah. I'm, I'm coming out to my wife right now. Yeah. No, I don't know. Je- pronouns have gotten really wild and gender's gotten really wild with this like ultra feminized act of having a baby and mm-hmm. um, nursing. So ask me what my pronouns are again, like 
in six months or so when maybe we weaned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's really, oh, I feel like we could do a whole hour on that. That's like really juicy yeah. and meaty. But speaking of just your journey through this parenthood thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, we just wanted to start by giving you some space right off the top to talk a little bit about what your parenthood journey has looked like. So anything that you want to talk about um, in that landscape. So everything from, you know, your experiences in getting pregnant to your, your birth experience and, you know, this whole wild first year of pandemic parenting. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, I guess, Ainsley and I talked about what we might share with your listeners uh, Mm -hmm. for this. And we talked about how what we wanted to put out there was maybe what we would want to hear when we were starting or thinking about a parenting journey. Mm -hmm. And so um, I guess one thing that has been really cool and special for us has been really expanding the meaning of family Mm -hmm. uh, in the process of um, having our little kiddo. I don't know if you want to speak to that easily. Yeah, well, um, you know, we explored like a lot of options as far as uh, who's going to get pregnant and how, and um, we were definitely we were definitely open to all kinds of different ways. But the way that we landed, we, I, I feel like we got pretty lucky. We found a friend of ours that Astrid knew since high school, and I've known and I knew independent of Astrid even before Astrid and I like knew each other, started dating, and uh, he. Yeah, he agreed to, or offered up to uh, be a sperm donor. Mm. Um, and, you know, and we talked about it, we're like, okay, lots of people have said that, but like, you know, we talked and talked and we're like, okay, I think this would be awesome. Like, let's go back and yeah, okay. Yeah, I think I'll do it. And you talked to his family about it, right? Yeah, one of my, the things that um, made me. <laughs> I think your kid actually wanted to tell the story. Yeah. They're like, this is my story, actually. So uh, you're right. It is your story. <laughs> and so one of the things that actually made me feel like we really landed on the right person was he went, he went, my gut feeling is yes, but I need to think about it. And I was like, that's right. Yeah. You need to like reflect on it. And he went and spoke to his family as well. And he wanted to see, um, and not uh, like as in his parents and his sister, Mm -hmm. because he, he's not, uh, he's not um, in a relationship at the moment. He wanted to, yeah, see what that would be like for them because we made it clear from the beginning that because he's Persian and we are not, that we wanted to make sure that our kiddo had um, access culturally to Iranian culture. And um, so that if we were to get pregnant, um, that like we would want for his family to be her family. Right. Um, and so he went and spoke to his family and they were just o- over the moon. I mean, uh, Mamani, you were like grandma in English. Her reaction was, I'll steal the baby. Like, she, cool- <laughs> she cooled off. <laughs> yeah. A little bit of a red flag, but great. Love your enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah. So that was um, a really cool adventure. Even the process of getting pregnant was just so funny with like, we didn't use a clinic at the time in order to use a clinic. It would have been really challenging. Like he mm-hmm. would have had to have gone to Toronto oh, wow. and through ReproMed and gotten like a whole bunch of testing. And we would have had to like sign waivers to say that like, we find it acceptable, acceptable that he's a gay man and yeah, has had sex had with men in order to like what? accept his sperm donation. Cause it's like kind of under the same thing as like blood donation blood and it's super yeah. homophobic. Yep. Yeah. Like, like just off the bat, like there's, a ban basically on gay men donating mm-hmm. sperm. So in like 
the national whatever and that, that's where you have to go if you want to get like yeah if you want to have yeah. frozen or whatever the process that's is wild so i know how fucked is that that we're still there just so i think just like that was like okay that was enough to yeah, yeah. so if he wanted he couldn't donate anonymously but he could donate to us anyway just like this massive process it's changed in the past year where now oh, we would have been able to take him to our local fertility clinic nice and they would have been able to just like do a sperm collection and act uh, we could have done IVF or IUI or whatever we wanted to do but mm -hmm. in this case we just did like a home insemination using a cup and a syringe and nice. he preloaded the syringe for us which we thought was very kind yeah, <laughs> um, <good. laughs> and um one thing I want to say as we're sharing all of this is that never ask a family like a queer family how they conceived exactly oh, yeah. no it's very no. Yeah. um it's super personal. We are wanting to share this mm -hmm. and, and assume that the couple knows that you want to know mm -hmm. <laughs> and they'll tell you, they'll tell you when they want you to know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel like that's like most things, deeply personal things in life where like, let people share with you instead of trying to coax it out of them. Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate you saying that because one of the things we always want to be careful about is just because we're having a certain kind of conversation in our space. And we've talked about this in the past when we've explored different topics doesn't mean that this is a open discussion that everyone and anyone is ready and waiting to have with you. <laughs> and so that's part of like our intention in this space is to with willing participants who are excited to talk a little bit about these pieces to provide some of that discussion to digest, but it's not open season. So I'm yes, so glad so. that you said that. Yes, thank you for thank sharing you saying that. that. Yeah. I had, I had an uncle, uh, that I'm not super close with, but I said, Hey, my wife's pregnant. We're really excited. We're having a baby. And he just kind of threw up his arm and was like, how does that work? And like, that's not, <laughs> exactly. you're like, so there's this thing called Google. You can actually yeah. type in questions there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. When a family member, or even someone who's in your orbit says or does something like that. Do you have strategies that you use or that you feel co like comfortable sharing for just even other folks that might be listening about when they're coming against those moments that are very, not just uncomfortable, but like, you know, invasive and inappropriate? I think like just in some ways, I know which I kind of like ahead of time know which kind of people, relatives in my life and which ones are like, you know, some, some people surprise you, but I knew that mm -hmm. particular like, uncle was you know he's not somebody I'm gonna I'm gonna be able, I'm gonna like talk down from things or whatever just kind of knowing that like I don't I don't necessarily owe him anything and, and yeah. I can like make a joke and I think I just made a joke like oh I'm really good at what I do yes I think I had like a free I don't know, it's something I had thought about or something. I, I yeah. didn't, I, but it was very vague and I just kind of walked away in that like instance, but like. Um, <laughs> I love that like, that was your response. Yeah. I'm just that good. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't know you said that, that's so funny. And yeah, I, th I think you're right. I think we go into a lot of these interactions anticipating what people's reactions might be. So I think, uh, yeah, giving yourself a bit of preparedness is probably uh, a good idea, but one person who really surprised me actually was my dad because in the process with him like when we were trying to get pregnant mm -hmm. I just told him how we were trying to get pregnant because I didn't want him to be weird yeah <laughs> and so I just you know when we did announce pregnancy so I was like yeah we have a sperm donor and we're doing home insemination mm -hmm. and 
I think I even told him about the uh, <laughs> glass engraved turkey baster that a friend of ours gave us Aww. for our wedding gift. That's incredibly <laughs> sweet and unique <laughs> gift. Very funny. Yeah. Don't use a turkey baster. It's not, it's not the right shape. <laughs> <laughs> but movies tell me it's so easy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I mean, it is like fairly straightforward, but the, the turkey baster is just the wrong device use a, a liquid tool. oral syringe yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh okay anyway so i i gave my dad forewarning but then one thing that he did that really surprised me is that um when we made our uh, pregnancy announcement online he sent me an email and said some family members are wondering how you got pregnant what should i tell them mm. oh that's lovely and i was like high five dad thanks yeah. for asking um, and so I told him, you can just let him know that we have um, a known donor who's a friend who's going to be part of our kid's life. And that should, yeah, give them all the info they need. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the difference, right? Like info that, well, because people need a lot less info than they think they do. People think mm-hmm. they're yeah. a lot more than they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, for us, they, oh my gosh, she's standing. Okay. You saw it here first live, folks. <laughs> you, yeah. you heard it here first. <laughs> you heard it here first. People... People needed needed slightly more information with us just because our family expanded with by more than one person when our daughter was born. Mm-hmm. Um, our family expanded by like mm-hmm. one, two, like four four people immediately mm-hmm. who were involved in her life. The two grandparents and mm-hmm. um, the sperm donor and her aunt. And uh, so that's relevant to our other family members. But if we didn't have a known donor, then it's like all someone needs to do is like, we got a sperm donor, which like, how else do you think we got pregnant? Yeah. Like, I don't you know what's the... Yeah. But it's like, you wouldn't ask a straight couple, like a cis straight couple, like, when did you guys like bang it out? And like, how did, yeah, yeah. what <laughs> night did that happen? Tell me about it. How long did it last? Yeah. <laughs> like what not- positions were you in? So it's just like, so wild. To, like. Oh my gosh. Let's start telling people we had a threesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, no, no, no. Let me tell you more. No, this isn't enough detail. I got more for you. Yeah. And they're going to be begging you to stop. And you'd be like, no, no, no one more thing. One more thing. <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you yeah <laughs> hang on let me get the notebook out <laughs> yeah it's just wild I mean and that's that's so much a part of like what we wanted to unpack today is just like the things that people say and do that you know wherever it's coming from is where it's coming from but that mm-hmm. they maybe do know or they don't even know is not okay right or is making um, a family or a couple's experience or even a child's experience in the world as they move through the world that much more oppressive or othering or difficult. And so I'm so grateful that you're willing to share even that piece. Well, I've got one thing for people not to do ever. Don't ask who's the daddy or who's, who's father or who's, yeah. And it's like, that has so many connotations, like not just in the gay community, but like, I mean, already, but but it's just like everybody is focused on because like like there's I don't think they're that we're doing it like the right way or the better way like like I said mm-hmm. it's very deeply personal it's only because we have this like relationship with this person but like if we had to go anonymous or like whatever various routes like, there's nothing wrong with that either and people who's who don't have anything to do with that other person like I like that's okay too and like as a non-gestational parent like when Astrid was pregnant and people were like asking a lot of questions about first dad or like or whatever like that really like bummed me out because yeah. mm-hmm. it's like well I'm dad or the dad or like I'm the parent like I'm the yeah. one that's 
Don't worry, you're also the daddy. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. Night. Yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much unless you're on an episode of Maury Povich, specifically about finding out who the father of a child is, there's no reason to ask who's the father. <laughs> um, but it's like, you know, I'm the one that's like here every day, like, like, uh, actually have a really mm-hmm. difficult pregnancy so it's like miserable like you know okay yeah this high guy five. i feel you on that high five yeah abby and cool. ashri big one time connection on. but yeah just kind of like heteronormative i guess just understanding of like family and like mm-hmm. you know who's where and like and how big of mm-hmm. you know, it's just wild that we put people put so much emphasis on like that one little tiny sperm, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. <laughs> the only act they do is just that one is, is donate sperm that yeah. one time. And it's like, yeah. there's just so much work that goes into it, you know? Yeah. And yeah. And he did, he donated sperm a handful of times. Oh yeah, like, he did a bunch. Yeah. You know, but it's like, but that's it. It's like this dude has done very little work mm-hmm. and we're very grateful we're so for that small work. amount of work he did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's like Ainsley yeah. was there in the thick of it with me chuck like just so miserable and mm-hmm. now Ainsley is this incredible parent like I admire your parenting so much and yeah this idea of who's the who's the dad or who's the daddy yeah. it's just like oh my god like don't eat wrong question like yeah who's, yeah Who's the person who has like such a, an amazing Instagram account that it makes it look like I'm that Clara single parent because I'm not in it because she doesn't want to be she doesn't want to be in my pictures. Yeah, she's the person that's there day in and day out parenting. Yeah, yeah. and it, like it's there's a difference between like parenting is a different thing and that's the important piece. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. And and I mean the sperm donor is going to have an important part of life. It's been. A, like it's been less this year because of COVID yeah. and, mm-hmm. but in the future you know we're all hoping that it'll be able to be a bit more significant but like but even then it's not it's not the day-to-day which is you know where the real parenting is mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm yeah. not feeling like way less ah, I guess insecure ah. about it because I am with her so much so people see me out yeah. with her and they assume like I'm her parent so yeah but, totally well, speaking of the pandemic <sighs> and this being your first year of parenthood, yeah. how are you guys doing? Yeah. You look sane. <laughs> yeah. So that's exciting. <laughs> yeah. We have nothing to compare it to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Part of me <clears throat> mourns the like, oh, we don't get to go to like a play group. But then the other part of me is like, I can't even understand. Like, I can't even stand the online spaces of like the mm-hmm. like the, the mommy, mommy groups. Right. And it's yeah. usually, it's usually moms and it's just such a norm like cis straight normative yeah. space mm-hmm. um and so it's like I say that I'm <laughs> that I, I wish we could go to play group but also <laughs> I might hate it yeah um, also, <laughs> we are part of this really rad um queer and trans uh trying to conceive and postpartum parenting group that now meets online but oh my gosh there are people that I were pregnant with that are these rad queers that mm-hmm. you know we were um there are these rad queer and trans parents who we were yeah pregnant with we were so excited to like be parents and have our babies with and hang out that now we you know really yeah can't do we met one of them in the park recently mm-hmm. as restrictions have gotten a little bit lighter 
which is cool, but that's exciting. That, so that, that stuff we've missed. And then I guess the really big thing we've missed out on is um, the ability for uh, our child's eight grandparents yeah. to be able to be helping. <laughs> Lord, do we need to help? Um, but just mm-hmm. present mm-hmm. and getting to know her as she's growing up. Mm-hmm. We, we were able to make uh, one trip to, yeah, to the Okanagan. One trip to the Okanagan, um, which is where uh, both Vashti's parents are. But yeah, it's only one time in this entire year. And it meant that like uh, when we were in the hospital like you know it was well first of all asked i couldn't even be there so so when this when the pandemic when all of this started like let's see you were like a couple months due in like february and like mm-hmm. i i went to to florida so last time i traveled i was and, due may and yes yeah, yeah. shutting down and you weren't like yeah you weren't super yeah you weren't feeling great you're still so i went i, I went to the wedding by myself and i i remember thinking then that that if Astri, with me I was like oh you should probably wear a mask because you know I'm hearing about this thing and like <laughs> you know so it was on my mind then but like I went to a wedding with like 150 people come back mm-hmm. and then it was like oh okay so I guess we like stay in now and not too soon after that you know it was like the stay home orders and then like the first few weeks when you go out and like they're all the canned goods are gone like all that kind of stuff so like that was just like super mm-hmm. intense just like oh my god what kind of world are we bringing our baby into? <laughs> it just it's felt like plus. so unknown i just remember those first few weeks watching stuff like from italy and mm-hmm. all that stuff i mean I know. And it got mm-hmm. much much worse but in the states or whatever but and meanwhile i was on the you know parent groups online on facebook and whatnot and yeah. um it, there were there was like a few weeks there where people were going in and giving birth without their spouses mm-hmm. um and that was terrifying um and then we did have um yeah a doula yeah. who was going to be there for my birth we were hoping yeah. for a home birth um which we weren't able to have because i had preeclampsia what up me too yeah just adding insult to injury or yeah. injury to insult mm, like yeah, it, yeah. Injury to injury. Oh, injury to injury. Um, and so, yeah, so we weren't able to have the home birth and then, uh, but then knew that we were only going to be allowed to have one support person and no doula. Um, at our particular hospital, that's not true of all hospitals. Mm-hmm. But then Ainsley couldn't be there for the induction. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I had, it's like, and when we went from like, oh, we're doing two weeks your blood pressure was high uh just like at a check with the midwife and then i was like okay send you home with your own blood pressure whatever it's called (laughs) cuff and so the next day was high again and midwife said you know go to so go to the hospital get some blood work done and but bring a bag just in case so to like bring bring us to the hospital and then like okay well we've got to induce you because you have preeclampsia and then like i i was there with you for only about an hour. Yeah, just for the insertion of the cut catheter. Which was actually a lot of pain. Like, and then I just had had to leave. It was, oh, it was God, awesome. hard. You know, so, and just go sit at home and just like wait to hear like how are you doing and like, you know. Yeah. Can't even imagine. And then the yeah, silver was- lining being that Ainsley got a bit of sleep before I <clears throat> got induced, like with the oxytocin, twenty four hours after the catheter insertion. Mm. But. uh yeah, then 
but then but yeah the oxytocin drip got started and then they were like okay now you can call your spouse and (laughs) tell them to come and I had a really awful nurse who was being really weird about a variety of things did she ask me how we got pregnant yeah, yeah. Oh, she cool. asked me how we got cool. pregnant. What? Um, yeah. As well as doing some weird, some other really awful like stuff that was really inappropriate. And like Ainsley, and Ainsley got called my friend in hospital. Ugh. Like Ugh. just Ugh. garbage stuff. Anyway, but yeah, so I was just like alone with this nurse who was being super inappropriate before Ainsley could even be there and before my midwife uh, had arrived. So at your most vulnerable, cool, cool. Mm-hmm. COVID made that process really awful um and mm-hmm. um yeah when I and when I got there it was like that was the first time I, you know, we had been in the room with or at least I've been in the room with other people like since this all like started so it was like right. oh wow now I'm like looking at people for the first time like this is weird yeah. um mm-hmm. and yeah just stuff like yeah not having a jewel there uh you know we had like everything all planned out um and yeah then, but once we were in it we were in it but and thankfully like our midwife who was amazing like after she delivered a baby which was a whole process i'm not saying it was a whole like just like that but she like picked up our phones and like took some pictures of us so we were actually able to get some Aww. pictures but mm. then yeah from there just was down to what's it called delivery no after oh delivery. they call it yeah mother babe Antipartum. They should call it antipartum. Antipartum is fine. Well, because also that just makes it sound more medical. And if you're in a hospital, I feel like cutesy isn't necessarily what you want. Cutesy and and exclusive, or yeah, Yeah. cutesy and inaccurate and exclusionary. Yeah, Yeah. no, and well, and people who give birth aren't necessarily mothers. Yeah, exactly. And there was like one, the first nurse that we got down there was like lovely, and she was even just like super affirmative as far as like me and like being the parent and like. Like, oh, and she's like, oh, sometimes the dads will like take off their shirt and put their baby against the chest to do like skin to skin to do. And I was like, great. Thanks for telling me, you know, like mm-hmm. that was great. But yeah, it's like kind of calling like not, you know, using like should have just been like other parent, the other but, parent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but she was clearly from a place that was just so genuine care of like, I'm seeing you as the other parent who would do the thing that the other parent does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 So it's like there were not everything in the hospital was garbage most of the stuff in the Mm -hmm. hospital was garbage one because of COVID but mostly because of like homophobia Mm -hmm. or like at the very least just like institutional like Mm -hmm. supremacy of heterosexuality and Mm -hmm. um binary gender stuff too yeah yeah and then Mm -hmm. like and then just some like a really yeah some other awful stuff and like I she was posterior and like I had like three hours of pushing before they were like oh you should maybe like try another way of getting this baby out and so ended up using the vacuum was narrowly able to avoid a c-section but honestly probably should have had a c-section yeah um you know but that could have gone badly and I could be saying the other thing so who knows yeah um and then I hemorrhaged and that was awful and Anyway, it was just like a majorly not fun birth. Mm-hmm. And we had to be in hospital for several days um, because mm-hmm. our daughter was jaundiced. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, every extra day of being in there was like more chances for people to say weird things mm-hmm. to us. And then the level of cooped up 
Yeah. In during yeah. COVID. Cause it's like, normally they would have like, I'd be able to just walk our daughter to, they had like an outdoor atrium area where I wouldn't be like leaving the hospital. So they doesn't have all of like those mm-hmm. extra things where they worry about babies leaving. Um, Cause you're still, yeah, there, but like the outdoor atrium was closed, which now we know is like, uh, that was the safest place at the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> Get everybody yeah. in the atrium immediately. There's definitely like, I mean, talking about all this stuff now, I'm like, oh my God. And we had to do this without like, like, cause your mom was, but like our parents were supposed to be in town. And like, mm-hmm. and we've talked, we've talked before about how, like, in some ways it's so nice that mm-hmm. we got to spend, because it was so traumatic, we got to spend all that time with each other and just like really quiet coming home was very quiet just about us mm-hmm. and would not have been like that with family in town but like on the other hand like <laughs> that's so wild like we went through all of that and weren't able to yes. like yeah lean on our supports or even like hug a friend yeah yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. totally and we did have one friend who the person who was going to be our doula who then was like our bubble person for a first the first while after i gave yeah. birth and um, they were so helpful. Mm-hmm. And so that, like, that was necessary. Having at least one other support person was necessary. And the yeah. queer community, and they're queer. Um, and the queer community has come through for us in a huge way during this process. We had to move. So we had, yeah, one queer couple who helped us pack and do, like, watch our daughter so that we could get packing done. And, like, we had to break public health orders in order yeah. to be able to move with an infant. Like, there was just mm-hmm. no, way no way of doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> no. And we had... I'm just picturing that. Not going to happen. No. no. <laughs> we had another queer friend who did the move-out inspection for us. And then uh, we had recently, yeah, uh, a queer friend and her wife help us do some unpacking. Mm. The queers really really showed up. And that was really rad. I'm so grateful being far away from where you are and as a friend in your life. Yeah. Like, I'm just so happy to hear that your built family and your community showed up in order to support through that time. It just shows the importance of that piece, right. And that connectivity within our community Mm -hmm. spaces. You know, I think like people may hear the experiences that you just shared, especially like things about the hospital and um, even stuff that we were talking about earlier in the conversation and be surprised that people still say and do those things or not be surprised and be like, what was wrong yeah, with that? Exactly. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, even yeah. worse. That's right. Abby. Yeah. <laughs> that's also why it's important because people need to understand that these are still really oppressive realities for people that are moving through these systems. So that's the other like strength in you sharing that is that like, there are people that a won't, won't know that they shouldn't say or do those things. But then there's folks that are probably sitting around thinking like, everything's great. Now everybody gets to do their thing. And um, I think that's also equally important for people to hear like, no, there's still these like micro and macro and just like straight up aggressions that people experience as they move through these like really important sacred experiences in their life. I want people to think about and hear what kinds of conversations and what things like would be helpful for them to be talking about and um, working harder on in their own families and in their own like workspaces in order to eliminate those experiences for folks that are um, moving through those systems. Great question. One thing people could do specifically in like um, expecting groups is stop one having gender reveal parties or genital reveal parties because oh my gosh that's a whole thing but stop sharing like photographs 
<laughs> or your ultrasound pictures and going, do you think this is a boy or a girl? Like just stuff like that makes me want to tear my hair out. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I mean, we chose not to find out the sex and we are choosing to use gender pronouns for our daughter um, as kind of like a best guess. Yeah. But when she gets a bit older, maybe we'll like be like, hey, we're going to try a new uh, pronoun today. See how that feels, you know, but just for now, Mm -hmm. just to make everything just easier. But we'll be open to to all that. And we wanted to avoid anything like family being so curious that they wanted to do something weird, like change her diaper to like find out what her sex Ooh. is, you know? Oh, anyway, yeah. but just like, I just threw I up know, in my mouth part. a little bit. I know, right? Oh, acid reflux. And so it happens though. Yeah. Yeah. And <sighs> so it's like, let's just kind of do a best guess. And then as parents, just like, you know, our daughter has a non-binary parent. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, it's going to be pretty clear to her that gender is not um, solely based on biological sex. Oh, and also not conflating gender and sex Mm -hmm. um, is another thing that's really challenging. So it's like giving yourself education on um, the difference between sex and gender. And I'm not going to give you the Mm one-on-one right now because you can Mm -hmm. Google that. Or you can go back to our episodes from season one. Yeah, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you went through it. But don't make it the job of people with identities different than yours to educate. part of our program where we do our momentum shout out. Abby, what did you see? I saw another cool parenting moment at a park because those are the only places I go these (laughs) days. So that's the only place I see things happening. (laughs) But this time I saw a parent at a park with a young toddler Mm -hmm. who was screaming their head off, like just Mm -hmm. straight up losing their mind. The child, not the parent. Just to clarify. (laughs) I would not judge the parent if that was what they were doing. I'm like, this child could not be consoled. Just Mm -hmm. it was like several minutes. It was just like pure animalistic screaming. And there were like at least, I'd say like a dozen other people within hearing range. And admittedly, because the sound did carry quite a bit. Mm -hmm. But I was so impressed with how this parent just like kept their calm throughout everything. They didn't lose their shit the way that I would have after Mm -hmm. five minutes. Mm -hmm. They were like really calm, really collected, really non-judgmental. They didn't seem phased, you know, like Sometimes, you know, the panic sets in when other people can hear your child and you're just like, oh, my God, you feel like a pressure to calm them and silence them. Totally. But she just like, you know, was super chill and managed to just ride out the storm. And even like mid freak out, she like managed to turn to me and joke with me about the child's outburst. Can you believe this asshole? (laughs) (laughs) And so I was really impressed by that just because I feel like. I'm so tired and over COVID Mm -hmm, and just mm -hmm. don't have the patience that I set out to have in 2021. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, shout out to that parent who was riding out the scream storm. So one thing about like the parenting space is that I found it like really like inaccessible like accessible to like not just me as like a non-binary and and you know kind of maybe on the masculine side of like the gender binary but like it's like actually went to those mo- mommy groups and were like you know felt grossed up and then like I didn't even go to them because they were just so everything just felt so alienating alien to me mm-hmm. and like I found that like I was so interested in like connecting with other people and like reading about things and whatever but so much of this stuff mm-hmm. just felt so like 
like not only is this space for like women, but it's for a certain kind of women. It's for heterosexual women. It's for for women between this age and this age. It's for women that aren't fat. You know, like there was just yep. It felt so exclusionary to the point where like I feel bad for like cis men that are like you know either dads or soon to be dads, and like they do want to be like more involved, but it's just or like these beginning like parts or like learning or sharing and talking, but it's just like it's just it's like we're t- we're almost like from the beginning we're just taking for granted that like oh, like being a parent is like a mom thing. And like, this is what yeah. I have like some back problems. So I was like, okay, I want to look for some exercises that I can like start building up strength so that I can like carry our kid without hurting my back. Mm-hmm. And even just like when I was looking for a very specific thing that like, I should be able to Google this. Like I can Google, I know how to Google, right? Like, <laughs> but I got sent to like this page where it was like tips for carrying the baby. And it was like, basically like they were talking to like a fifties, like housewife, mm-hmm. like put them down in the, put them down in the playpen for a few minutes. Do you have a family member that can help out? Like, do you have, like, can your, I, I don't know, just like yeah. not even considering that there's another, and there are single parents out there. That's great. But like for the people who are mm-hmm. multiple or for like people on the side of masculine or men, like I just mm-hmm. found it very alienating and like hard totally. to find information. Mm-hmm. And I found sanctuary and like our queer parenting groups. I found the, um, the midwives the particular midwife thing that we went to was very inclusive very like bringing Mm -hmm. me into the fold and like you know and all Mm -hmm. of that so and from what I understand there are really two camps in midwifery of like the people who were rad and progressive and like queer like there are so many queer midwives and then the really old school Mm -hmm. like um yoni gaia sacred feminine midwife midwifery you know but like I would say for queer families if you're finding the kind of the queer positive um, midwives that that's like a really potentially affirming space um, in a medical system that's like really not affirming for the most part mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I consider myself like a femme queer and like I'm embracing masculinity more these days just to I think like as a response yeah. to this super feminized um, labor that I'm doing of feeding our child mm-hmm. Uh, through nursing and um, which I call breastfeeding but chest feeding is another um, good non-gendered way of talking about feeding babies from your body Mm -hmm. but yeah it's like even for me who consider myself like a femme queer to that like the space feels too like girly for me is like imagine Ainsley trying to fit into that as like a non-binary masculine of center person. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much of what you've been saying. And I, this has come up into my brain a couple of times with things that you've shared that these are just best practices for everybody. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you say something and it's like, you, like you said, Ains before I just, I'm starting to feel for cis like dad identifying parents because of their, and there was some other things that you were saying at the beginning, even around like asking people about things around their pregnancy. It's just like so much of what we're talking about here is actually going to, it's beneficial to everyone. Right. Mm -hmm. And it makes spaces Mm -hmm. more accessible, less oppressive uh, across the board. They're just best practices, period. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 100%. And so, yeah, another best practice that people can have is um, the way they talk about families with their children. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I'm thinking of, well, we were both there for the first time when we were at the park um, and there was a little girl, I'd say probably about six, 
who was so interested in our daughter and clearly really likes babies and was like, oh, mm-hmm. I wish I could hold her. And we're like, oh, we would love for you to be able to hold her, but because of COVID you can't. And, and then at one point she goes, so are you both her mommy? And we're like, yeah. And I mean, like Ainsley doesn't identify as a mom. Ainsley uses the, the word Ada to describe mm-hmm. themselves, but it's like, we don't need to, but for kind of like outside looking in, I'm happy to be seen like as mom, like for people mm-hmm. that know me, like Ada, but like for little kid on the street, that's fine. Like, mm-hmm. and you know, it sucks that Ainsley needs to be like, uh, I'll accept this other thing mm-hmm. um, yeah. in order for like to easily move through the world. But you yeah. know, but that's the world we're in. And so it's like, if this is the thing that legitimizes Ainsley's parent, great, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're like, yeah, we're both her mommy. And it was very sweet. She went, oh, I only have one mom. <laughs> She's like, but I have two grandmas. We're like, oh, that's really nice. Not quite the same, but that's cute. <laughs> and so my my first thought was like, oh, her family must have like talked to her about this stuff. That's really cool. And then that quickly started to disintegrate. She was like, so, so do you have uh, follow-up questions? <laughs> oh, dear. And we're like, nope, no husbands. We're married to each other. <laughs> and she was like, so does your baby have a dad? We're like, no, nope, two moms. <laughs> um, and she's like, so, okay, so you're not you don't even have husbands like she was really processing this and it was like right. one you're like missing out that like some people are just single parents by choice mm-hmm. um or single mm-hmm. parents not by choice yeah single parents yeah um so it's like clearly their family missed out on telling her that yeah and then like yep. for her like her mind was really there was no prejudice in it at no. all she was just trying to figure this out and it was like she shouldn't have to figure this out at yep. the park with us yep <laughs> with these two strangers exactly. yeah. like this I feel like she was so, let down this could have been so easily built into her education mm-hmm. and so yeah. then she had another interaction with you at another like you ran into her again at the park at some point yeah oh god part two <laughs> but like maybe asking oh oh my gosh she basically was asking for the birds and the bees talk with Ainsley. oh yeah. right <laughs> oh oh yeah it's like, right, right. I like, left oh, our last right? conversation really thinking about this can you can we circle back how oh. but you know what that yeah. also tells me that she's so thirsty yes. for information and didn't know where to get it yeah. from that she's like you know what these strangers seem, seem nice. like they will give me the real info I will ask them follow-up <laughs> questions yeah. and it's like you know what like you did come to the right people like we do I, I, I've straight up done sex that yeah yeah um, but like families do you want the queers giving your kids sex that because we will yeah <laughs> Sometimes when mommy and mommy love each other very much and they're married, they get a cup. (laughs) (laughs) But I love that. Well, my child also had a question for the two of you. Because with each episode that we're doing um, uh, this season when we have guests, I've been asking him like, okay, this is what we're talking about. Do you have any questions? So I explained, I was like, okay, we're going to be talking to Ainsley and Ashtray today. They have a new baby. And then I explained a little bit about your family makeup and he had no follow-up questions about that because we've talked about it before and he's a child. So kids kind of, I find they go with whatever. That's great. So his very important question for you is, what is your daughter's favorite toy? Oh, oh. good question. Solid question, wow. Eddie. He always um, uh, has the best questions of any of us. Our keys. Yeah, like literally our <laughs> keys is her favorite thing to play with. Favorite toy is the keys and her favorite playmate is our small dog who 
they yeah, yeah exchange toys through the baby gate. But yeah, puzzle piece awesome. is, is the I guess the toy toy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, so I do want to circle back to this conversation we were having with the girl at the park. Mm-hmm. And so that second time she was still processing and she asks Ainsley specifically, she's like, So if you don't have a husband, how was your daughter made? Mm-hmm. Like, how did okay. this happen? And so Ainsley's like, I think I need to bring the book What Makes a Baby to the park. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Were you also at some point like, who and where is your grown-up? <laughs> like, <no>. totally. <laughs> totally. I think, like, tired over in the corner. Because clearly <laughs> they have a very inquisitive child. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're really tired. But I was def- I definitely didn't have like a quippy, funny answer or anything. I was just like, oh, go ask your parents. Yeah, <laughs> it's also not on you, yeah. which is also yeah. fair because it's not your job to educate this random child at the playground. <laughs> but so much of what I'm hearing there is, it's like we still have lots of talking to do and lots of work to do around how people are talking about families in their families. Like, well, mm -hmm. and I think that people are like doing so much better with talking Mm -hmm. about bodies and talking about families and Mm -hmm. giving young kids an idea of like how this stuff works. Like they're getting better at using anatomical language. It's not your PP, it's a Mm -hmm. penis. Yeah. Um, And saying vulva instead of vagina when they are talking about external genitalia. Yeah. And so I think they're doing a lot better and they're like, Oh, check mark good parenting mm-hmm. i told my kid that that it takes a mommy and a daddy to make a baby maybe they give them a little bit more information about like a sperm and an egg mm-hmm. but it's like no you do you do have to go a little further than that <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I, it's not just mommies and daddies and mm-hmm. um and then also like i would really love for people to start talking to their kids about how sex and gender are not the same thing. And there are really lovely, mm-hmm. easy ways of doing it. Being like kids very quickly will either learn from their parents or from other kids. Um, like, oh, boys have penises and girls have um, vulvas and vaginas. Mm-hmm. And uh, to quickly just be like, that's true for a lot of girls and for a lot of boys, but some girls have penises, mm-hmm. um, for mm-hmm. example, or, and some, some kids don't feel like boys or girls, or they feel like a bit of both. And yep. there's also really wonderful books to help with that too. Um, my absolute favorite is um, From the Stars in the Sky to the Fish in the Sea by Kai Cheng Tom. Yes, we, that we talked about that in our first season. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, a, it's a gaining momentum fan favorite. Oh, so so beautiful but it's just this stunning book that as you know you've talked Mm -hmm. about and it the story goes that the baby was born when the moon the moon and the sun were both in the sky and so they didn't know what to be so they decided to be a bit of everything Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and that for that kid that sometimes things were really hard and their parent didn't know how to make it okay all the time but their parent loved them Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. and every day the day in day out their parent continued to love them and it's like I do um I do research um and my thesis was about or my thesis that I'm still currently writing is about queer young adults memories of childhood play mm-hmm. and um one thing that's come forward uh, many times both both overtly and covertly is this idea that kids and especially queer kids need to hear that they are loved yeah. Like they need to hear, I love you. And they need to be 
mm-hmm. and they need to be touched by their parents and, or their caregivers in the same way that any other kid is. Of course. Mm-hmm. Just to like really have that driven home. And I think that comes like, I think that's at a community level too. Like mm-hmm. queer kids need to know that they're loved and cared about. And one of the ways you do that is about teaching your children about mm-hmm. gender diversity mm-hmm. and diverse families. Because I need for our daughter to know that her family is a legitimate, beautiful, wonderful family. And the way yes. for her to be able to do that is for kids not to be asking her questions or making her feel like her family is weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but for mm-hmm. people to just be like, cool. Like that first reaction that that girl had of like, you have two mommies? Like I only have one. Like, you're, lo- you're lucky. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that's the thing too, right? Because children have questions. And so it's like, it's, they will go where they need to go to get those answers. So keeping your children from information doesn't stop the questions from happening. So why don't you help your, your children have as much information as possible? That'll not only help and enrich their lives, but help and enrich the lives of their classmates and the other kids that they meet along the way to make mm-hmm. everyone's journey a little bit smoother <laughs> and a little bit less hard. Yeah. And it's really like yeah. the continual ongoing normalization of everybody's family experiences. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And, and I think like, Part of that is exposure. And I think it's worth people asking themselves. It's like, if you're a parent and you have parent friends, but you don't know any, even like at an acquaintance level, parents who are queer, why is that? Mm -hmm. You know, why, why is it that there aren't queer families in your life? And I think that's the same thing um, that I've heard from friends and parents of color is that if you don't have any friends of color, it's like, how, what's producing that? Because just simply having exposure in real life to that you can point to really makes a difference in legitimizing um, diverse families. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. I feel like that's a really good spot for us to maybe end our conversation on, even though I know there's so much more to be said and I wish we could talk for five more hours, which I'm sure we will once we're off air. But maybe we can revisit next season yeah. and we can get a one year or I guess almost two year update at that point. That's how old your daughter will, your daughter oh, will be. Oh, we'd love to. I'm sure our daughter will have a lot to tell you a year from now. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, we're just so grateful that you took the time today. And I know our listeners will also be grateful for everything that you were so generous in sharing. And, and if people do have follow-up questions, we are totally happy to answer those questions. Um, or not, awesome. if we decide it's a question yeah. we don't want to answer, but... <laughs> But if people want to, if people want to ask anything, we're really open to, to sharing. Amazing. And from a point of wanting to learn, not just like voyeurism, you know, mm-hmm. like weird. Yes. Voyeurism. That's the word. Mm-hmm. It was like weird curiosity. Totally. Yeah. I mean, we've already given you the goods. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah. Thanks so much for having we us. We hope it's a little easier with the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, good, good luck with everything. Both of you. Let's pause for momentum. Combinations. Who's the dad? That question does not compute. It is not about an X plus Y situation, but about families built in love. So stop the calculations, no more faulty equations, trying to place limits, create a value set within the bounds of what you know. We will not be boxed in by your strictly defined limits. Here's where permutations can come into play. A family is not one thing, so let's expand our horizons and talk to our kids about families in all combinations so they can find comfort in being exactly who they are. 
We acknowledge that Gaining Momentum is recorded, produced, and edited on the unceded territory of the Selic Okanagan people and the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe, Enina, Oji Cree, Dena, and Dakota peoples, and on the homeland of the Metis Nation. Gaining Momentum. Gaining hosted making an app. With artwork by Catherine Katja. With music by Evan Dysart. Please check our show notes with each episode for more information on Catherine and Evan, plus how you can stay in touch with us through email, Instagram, and Facebook. We look forward to hearing from you.